0: Hello and welcome to Talking Dirty at the Library, where we'll talk about what's growing here in Athens and Limestone County, Alabama. Each podcast features Master Gardener experts discussing ways we can cultivate better gardens and better lifestyles through local gardening and Limestone County Extension programs. Hello, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I am Emily Clem and I am a Master Gardener here in Limestone County. On second Tuesdays during the school year from September to May, we have programs here at the library at eleven o'clock and it's called Getting Dirty at the Library. It's sponsored by the Master Gardeners and we find interesting speakers to come tell you about all kinds of gardening things. And today I'm talking to Carrie Steedley. Carrie, introduce yourself, tell us what your job is.
1: Hi Emily. Thanks for having me on today. But
0: like you were saying I'm
1: Carrie Steedley. I'm a regional extension agent with the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and Auburn University. I'm on our forestry, wildlife, and natural resources team and work up here in Northwest Alabama and assist landowners with different questions they have and you know assist with educational programs for the public or for groups, anything from land management to the program that we had at the library a few weeks ago on native fruits and native nuts and how you can incorporate those into your landscape.
0: So yeah, it's a good time and, and I'm mm-hmm. happy to be here. Thank you. At the um, At the program, I was surprised to learn how many of your plants that you talked about that produced food that we could eat, how many of those already had in my garden. Now, I'm a native plant buff. I just um, have filled my yard up. I've dug up all kinds of old hollies and that kind of thing and filled my yard up with native plants. And so the first thing I thought of was my blueberry plants. And that was, of course, maybe the most frequent plant that bears edible fruit. in in most people's yards. Yeah,
1: a common plant, a really easy to find at nursery plants. You can find all kind of varieties that would work for the soil that you have, the sunlight that you have. So that's a really good one if you're, you know, getting into having some native fruits in your landscape. Blueberries are a great option. They're Many different cons and kind of tastes you can explore and a lot of good reasons to have them, you know, not just for, you know, your personal consumption, but also wildlife. And that goes for almost all of our native fruit or nut-bearing plants is that they're also really great for wildlife as well.
0: I've heard the philosophy is plant enough for both you and the birds.
1: That's a good idea. That's no, a good no. idea because if you just have, you know, that one plant with its shiny, ripe berries, you know, you're going to be fighting the birds and the squirrels and everything else for it. So that that's definitely something to remember.
0: And am I right with blueberries, you need to plant three varieties?
1: I'd say not necessarily, not three uh, varieties. You just kind of find what you would like and make sure you've got enough for that pollination as well. Mm -hmm. But we do have some really good blueberry publications on our ACES website as well that can guide you into the different varieties that would work for where you are in the state and kind of your maintenance level as well and your soil and your light. Um, so we have several publications online mm-hmm. with you know what to choose and then how to maintain it as well. So a lot of good resources online. And what's the website? It's our Alabama Cooperative Extension System website. So that's
0: aces.edu. So pretty short. ACES. A-C-E-S. aces.edu. Exactly. What else? What other plants would you favor for the yard for just anybody out there in
1: suburbia. And <laughs> in, in suburbia, that's that's a good point to remember too because some of our native fruits and nut-bearing trees, you know, they might need more room or are better suited for kind of a woodland rather than you know, a backyard tree, but we've got a lot of good options that could work either way, you know, if you're working with a small space or a large space. Uh, Of course, we have the blackberries that also have several cultivars and you can choose the thornless varieties as well. But a lot of times with blackberries, we have, we see those pop up in disturbed areas. So sometimes, you know, they're in our yards and we didn't plant them there, but we have them um, as well. So there are different ways that you can maintain those if you do find those in your backyard and keeping those productive as well but there are a lot of other options um i think you had mentioned too emily you had the service berry yes
0: do you like that plant? how's that going i do it's a beautiful blooming tree um it has interest in the spring with blooms in the summer because it will bear berries Mm -hmm. and in the fall it turns a pretty color so that's a great plant and it's a small tree it's a native and I love natives that take the place of things like crepe myrtles um, you know crepe myrtles are from somewhere else and I like things you can put in the ground and tell them good luck and that would be our native plants
1: yes the serviceberry is a really good example of You know, a replacement tree that could come in, you know, place of a crepe myrtle because it has the showy flowers, it gets that kind of similar height to Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. Um, and it's also that multi stemmed trunk as well. Mm -hmm. So, that's a really good option as you know, different things to see throughout the year from the showy flowers in the spring berries in the summer and then that nice fall color as well so we love a service berry Uh, that's a really good option
0: another thing that i think is just a beautiful plant is basically a ditch plant but it's an elderberry And and you've seen these, everybody's seen these, but maybe not known what they are, because they look a lot like, say, Queen Anne's Lace, but they're bigger, and they have beautiful flowers, them. mine are flowering now, and then they will have the elderberries that, yes, you can pick, you can make the syrup, or whatever you want to do, elderberry jam, or whatever, or you can let the bluebirds have it, and believe me, they'll take it, but I love my elderberries, and... You probably don't want one. If you plant one, you're going to end up with a grove, but that's okay. okay. So elderberry, yeah, that's another really good
1: one. And I feel like it's one that has gotten a lot of... Attention in the past Mm -hmm. few years, you're seeing a lot more elderberry products on the shelves because of that medicinal property that, you know, people associate with it. So the berries, yeah, they're great for a lot of uses of jams, the syrups. Um, It does form like thickets, like you were saying. So sometimes... If you want to put that in your landscape, it might be better to put it along the edges cuz mm-hmm. it does kind of mm-hmm. get that unkempt appearance, but it does have the showy flowers. So it's it's a nice addition to the landscape for a lot of reasons too mm-hmm. and
0: really helps a lot
1: of our pollinators as
0: well. Yes, yes. My trees, they are um, and they're small trees. I think You could almost call them a shrub instead of a tree, Mm -hmm. but it will be a buzz with pollinators. Oh, yeah. And I say when something's got all those buzzy bees on it, it's like the difference in a movie and a picture. Because it's so active, everything buzzing around the flowers, it's just so interesting. And the other thing, a lot of people are scared of wasps and bees. Nobody wants Mm -hmm. to be stung. Mm -hmm. But remember when they're feeding, they are not interested in you. They are busy feeding. And you can stand there and watch them. No, you don't want to swat at them. (laughs) You don't want to call attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. But they're a beautiful wasp. Um, I have one that comes to mind that are um, shiny navy with what I think of Mm -hmm. as a white racing stripe. Mm
1: -hmm. They're, They're pretty. You get a lot of interesting things. You know, the more diversity that you have in your yard, you know, plant-wise, then even more insect-wise and just wildlife in general. And that's that's another really exciting reason to have our natives incorporated more into our landscape, especially these really um, flowering shrubs and things like that that produce a lot of these... You know, cluster flowers that we see with the elderberry, um, a little bit with the sweet shrub, but thinking about our pollinators and then all the different wildlife that's attracted to it. So, I will preface: if you want to discourage wildlife in your landscape, that you might want to limit the number of you know these attractive fruit and nut plants in your landscape as well, like deer. Like deer, and there are some things that are a little bit deer-resistant if you've got um, thorns, like with the blackberries, and they say that the sweet shrub is is mildly deer-resistant as well, Um, maybe even things like the honey locust and and that being Mm -hmm. a little deer-resistant with those thorns, even though you can get the thornless variety, of course, but... But just thinking about what what might bring them in and what might keep them out. So that's something to remember. Mm-hmm.
0: In our neighborhood, there's a persimmon tree. And walking through the neighborhood one morning, there were like five deer eating the persimmon off the ground. Now, they weren't damaging the plant, so, you know, nobody really minded them being there. But they didn't even look up. They were gobbling up persimmons.
1: Oh yeah, the persimmon tree is absolutely just like an apple pie sitting on the windowsill. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: just love it. I think that's a pretty tree. Mm -hmm. I'm not real crazy about eating persimmons myself. I never really have, Mm -hmm. but to watch the wildlife is, is great.
1: It is, and
0: the persimmon
1: is a really great tree for a lot of reasons as well, and it has that nice fall color to it it's got the interesting bark pattern that really might stand out in the winter months when there might not be as much to look at but it it kind of stands out for Mm -hmm. that reason and then the fruit also they'll kind of hang on to the tree a little bit longer so you can have that you can lose all the leaves and the fruit might be hanging around on it but that's a really great one. I, I always recommend a persimmon,
0: and the persimmons get very sugary the longer they stay on the tree. Yes, um, I had a friend that told me about a mockingbird that loved those persimmons and actually protected the trees as mockingbirds will. Like it, this is my tree. Everybody else needs to go find their own tree, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and for good reason. Mm-hmm. Those those persimmons when they're ripe, you yeah, know, they're great. I will say. Uh, unripe for seven is that something Mikey Bucker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, what about yeah. the nut trees? So we have several options for some native nut producing trees. Of course we've got the black walnut and that's good for several reasons as well. It's got really great Um, wood to it as well if you want to maybe think long term and some other benefits that you you might could get maybe even you know economic benefits down the road it does have that uh, hormone that it does send out through the roots that discourages a lot of other plants from establishing around it. Mm. So that's something to think about Um, with the black walnut. You know, you wouldn't want to put any kind of vegetable garden around it. I think a lot of our other native plants maybe struggle around it. So azaleas and blueberries Mm. might not do very well, but it's a great shade tree as well. Really long-lived. So, a lot of good reasons to have the black walnut, but we've also got several hickory species as well. And one that I really like is our shagbark hickory. Mm-hmm. And so that and, you know, the sweet nuts that it produces is is great, but it's also great um, habitat for bats. They'll get under that scaly bark and use that as their kind of cover and their resting place. So that's another reason oh, to plant a oh, shagmark hickory. Maybe have some more
0: bats around. Um, and bats eat mosquitoes and other insects. Yes, that's, exactly. Uh, wouldn't be a bad idea to have some bats around.
1: Yes, bats to eat all the mosquitoes around our... Houses. They mm-hmm. also do a really great job at a lot of the pests that attack our commercial crops, like our uh-huh. corn. They eat a lot of pests related to some of those really important crops that we have in our state. So we want to support our bats mm-hmm. how we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and planting a shug bark hickory could do that. And they, okay. they also, kind of like the persimmon, have that interesting... Texture that really stands out in the winter and and something interesting in the landscape to look at. All right. Uh, What about pecans? Pecans. So, pecans are interesting because they are not technically native, they are naturalized, Um, meaning they've been here so long, they're part of our landscape, and we're really not going to get rid of them. You know, they've just incorporated themselves into. Mm you know, where we are. But
0: maybe not in an invasive way.
1: Right, exactly. So not invasive. So, you know, a lot of things have kind of naturalized Mm -hmm. that, you know, have been planted and, you know, now they just kind of pop up here and there, but they're not causing that economic or ecological harm that our invasives are. So our pecans, you know, of course, we know there are a lot of cultivars, a lot of varieties to choose from. Um, and we also have great resources online to do with pecans. Um, some other Southeast universities also put out some really great resources as well. University of Georgia has really good pecan um, publication and resources. I'm from Georgia, so I grew up and. Seeing pecan or pecan trees mm-hmm. um, just about everywhere. So um, they are susceptible to you know disease, and and they are a little bit more brittle than some things. So they do have some issues to them. But if you're think about having a native food forest, and you know what you'd like to see in that landscape, uh, pecan is a great option. Um, they're easy to find. There's a lot of resources on them. Just following, you know, fertilization and irrigation suggestions that will go a long way and, and could provide you with some great, you know, nuts to have. All right.
0: Another tree that I have heard a lot about is the pawpaw tree. And I've heard pawpaws are fantastic fruits. My son tasted one and he said it was light custard. It was delicious. Mm-hmm.
1: I've also heard that. I have unfortunately not had one either. I Mm -hmm. am on the lookout, so if anyone knows (laughs) where to get one, let us know. But, yeah, they say that it has that custard-like flavor and texture. You can make it into ice cream. You can do a lot with it. But, like we mentioned before, you're going to fight the other wildlife Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is our largest fruit native Mm -hmm. to north america which is exciting and it can grow on a variety of sites but one of the most interesting thing to me about the pawpaw plant is that its flower puts off kind of a smelly odor instead of you know a nice sweet odor like you know some of our other flowers and this is because it's pollinated instead by flies so instead of you know, bees or wasps or things like that, it attracts flies and things like maybe beetles that are attracted to mm-hmm. more of that you know, not-so-sweet-smelling odor. Mm-hmm. So that's a really neat fact to me about the pawpaw plant. So if you see that, see it flowering, get a sniff of that. <laughs> on that flower. Uh-huh. see See what it smells like to you.
0: I actually have two that I planted, but it's just their second season. So I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait before these two decide to actually produce pop but we'll see.
1: Yeah, and like a lot of our trees, too, that are adaptable to... You know, different levels of sunlight that can do well in partial shade or full sun. You know, we're gonna get that faster establishment and faster production in that full sunlight. So that could, you know, have something to do with it if, you know, maybe they're in a little bit of shade. But yeah, just be patient with it mm-hmm. and <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Patience is part of growing plants, yes. right? Especially trees, they yes. say. Uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yes. The next best time is today. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's something to remember too with our native food forests. If you really want to incorporate, you know, a lot of edible things into your landscape, mm-hmm. is kind of balancing things that are you know slow to produce versus mm-hmm. things that are a little bit quicker. So our elderberry. Might be a little pretty bit, quick. Pretty quick. Pretty mm-hmm. quick. Blueberries. Um, not too so long bar persimmon. And, of course, our you know, nut-bearing trees are going to take a while. So kind of finding that balance. So make sure, you know, you get the benefits out of it, you know, pretty soon. But then later on
0: down the line, you've got that coming as well. All right. We all like immediate gratification, which is the farmer's market. <laughs> but you find what you like, and you plant it, and you wait on it. And then it's most satisfying to eat something that was grown in your backyard.
1: Exactly. I agree.
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you a couple more references that are about native plants, Bringing Nature Home by Douglas Ptolemy, it's here in our local library, and it's all about the philosophy of native plants. They're easier to grow. They are more likely to survive. For instance, um, a lot of our Asian azaleas were hurt by the freeze. Uh-oh in December, my native azaleas are fine. And the other thing is just taking care of what we have, taking care of our resources. Mm -hmm. If our yard is packed with native plants, then you set up an ecology that is Mm self-sustaining. So, it's a um, bringing nature home it's a great read Uh, it's here in our library has lots of pictures and lots of references okay the other one i like is native plants of the southeast a comprehensive guide to the best 460 species for the garden it's by larry mellicamp i think he's from the carolinas but it's packed full of information about all kinds of native plants and uh, he has a star system. He gives the plants one, two, three, or four stars. And he'll tell you, you may not, this may be a, be careful what you wish for, because some plants get so weedy and you end up having to pull them up more than enjoy them. Um, so I really like his book, 460 Species. 460 Species is a lot to choose from. And surely you can find something you like there. Um what about availability? Availability—that's
1: a good point. A lot of what we've talked about so far is uh, pretty available at different places, and there are different varieties or cultivars to choose from that you know might highlight one aspect or characteristic of the plant, whether it's the flowers or the fruiting or the fall color. Um, so, kind of digging a little deeper into the varieties and you know what you want out of the plant so you can be as specific as possible is really gonna benefit you long term and you know having that planning phase ahead of time and know what you're looking for and then go to your nursery and see what they have or if they don't have it, you know, working with them to see if they can order it. That could be the way to go for a lot of these. But if you're working with kind of a woodland area, you've got some, you know, natural areas some forested area. Um, maybe even doing a little digging in to see what is there already. Because we talked about a lot of the shrubs and trees, but, mm-hmm. you know, things like dandelions or a lot mm-hmm. of the kind of ground cover, you know, the plants that really don't get above you know a foot off the ground there's a lot of benefits that can come from them as well mm-hmm. so thinking about kind of foraging resources and how to maybe incorporate some of those plants as well mm-hmm. and i'm sure there are a lot of great resources on you know different mushrooms and different kind of, oh we oh, didn't even start on that that is a <laughs> whole other topic isn't it it is mm-hmm. it is um but there are a lot of good resources out there.
0: I know one for native plants online is Izel i z e l Izel Plants. I think it's dot org. Anyway, remember I z e l and you can Google it. But it's a clearinghouse for native plants, and it will connect you with nurseries in other places. Quite a few of them in the Midwest where they're doing prairie reclamation. But they have a lot of things that are a little hard to get. And you can order them. I've had good good luck ordering from some of those places and and other nurseries that will send things to you. Good good luck with those. So,
1: as a master gardener, then mm-hmm. are there things that are available at the plant sale you all have every year
0: at, at the greenhouse here in limestone county? It's in Athens. It's behind. Uh, what is now the middle school used to be the high school. That's where our greenhouse is. You will find some things there, and it's worth checking, certainly. Um, also, I've had good luck at the Huntsville Botanical Gardens, mm-hmm. their plant I've sale.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: We have some natives at uh, the greenhouse. And some trees and shrubs. Now, you know, we're not like a professional nursery, but it would be definitely a good place to check yeah. before you go too far. And what, what
1: I like about the Master Gardener plant sales is that they are very local. Though Those, those yes. plants were grown and are based here. Yes. So they are
0: adapted to mm-hmm. this area. Mm-hmm. And often... Uh, whoever helps you at the greenhouse can give you good advice Mm -hmm. we'll admit it when we don't know something but we also know where to look it up so that's the most important
1: you know uh you know the resources and and are able to help that way as well
0: right Mm -hmm. thank you so much carrie for being with us today and for all of our listeners thank you for listening and um, come back and listen again and keep in touch with your library and the schedules for getting dirty at the library which will start up again in september i believe all right thank you and have a good day thanks for having me you've been listening to talking dirty at the library a podcast produced by the athens limestone county public Library in cooperation with the limestone county extension office and master gardener program join us next time to see where we're growing And to hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, please visit the athens limestone County Library website at alcpl.org.